Hello. If you think it was dry here over the summer, imagine setting up a farm in the desert in Egypt. This week on the programme, we meet the farmer who's done just that. Yeah, we were taking a virgin desert um, and bringing it back into production, rotate to grow um, multiple crops, wheats, rapes, beans, uh, food crops. More from Tom Hinchley and fellow students from Rise Home's Farm Management Development Programme a little later. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Sean Dunderdale. First, Brexit. As we heard in the news just now, it's an ever-changing beast. Anything I say will probably be out of date by the time the next bulletin comes around with those uh, weekend talks ongoing. But on Wednesday, the NFU held its latest Brexit summit, trying to make sense of the past couple of weeks, indeed the past couple of years really, and also to predict what might happen should we leave the EU next March. It's still very much ifs and buts, as NFU Deputy President Guy Smith admitted. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting, Sean. I'm spending a lot of time at the moment going around talking to lots of members with county AGMs and meetings like this. And until last week, there was a lot of Brexit fatigue about. And I think people want to talk about anything else but Brexit. But I think the political events of the last uh, week have really sort of activated people's interest in it. And they're, they're thirsty again for knowledge. They want insight as to what's going to happen for right or wrong. We've talked a lot about uncertainty over the last two years. That uncertainty continues, doesn't it? We're entering into 2019 and we still don't know where we're going. Yeah, I, you know, we're hearing from Nick von Westenholz, uh, who leads our Brexit team, and I feel sorry for Nick because he permanently has in his presentations to go through scenario one, two, three, four, and five, and six, and seven. And, you know, we just sort of hope today where we're not talking about so many different possible scenarios. But that's where we are. And, you know, it's the responsibility of the NFU to analyse things. Uh, and I thought Nick did a really good job, though, in explaining it in a comprehensive, bite-sized manner to give all the, 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 the farmer delegates who came today you know, a better insight as to what's going on, what's on the table. Uh, but by God, you know, that fog out there, it doesn't get any thinner anytime quickly. Agriculture bill almost finished at the parliamentary stage onto the House of Lords in the new year. There's still a lot of concern about that bill, isn't there? Yep, and, and we're sort of next stops the Lords. Uh, and the, part of the trouble now, Sean, is that Parliament is very distracted very energised um, they're all at war with each other um, and we've got to put them back on to concentrating on this important bill um, and you know, and as we've said we want just simply want agriculture mentioned more often in that bill is that too much to ask? It's an agricultural bill on the face of it, it should have agriculture ripped through it and it isn't there at the moment. You know, I was listening to Michael Gove at different committee say because uh, they were challenging me that why isn't agriculture mentioned until the third part of the bill and he said well hamlet wasn't mentioned until the third act of hamlet well we know what happened to hamlet and i don't want that to happen to british agriculture they have got to take agriculture more seriously here we are then end of 2018 how would you sum up this year in agriculture uh, what with the weather? I've been. I've talked to you a lot, Sean, which you is have. always a great pleasure. I, um, there's been a lot going on, hasn't it? And you know, it's 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 the volatility thing, isn't it? It's weather volatility, market volatility, political volatility. Um, farmers, I think the successful farmers of the future are going to be the ones that manage that volatility best. Um, and I think there are things you can do to help manage weather and, and markets. Uh, but and here comes the advert. Uh, I think your best way to manage political volatility. Is to join a strong political lobbying organisation such as the National Farmers Union of England and Wales. And your hopes for 2019? Clarity. 
um, uh, clarity. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to get in the ins and outs of, of the referendum because I know it excites passions, but you know, what we desperately need is some clarity so we can have confidence in investing back into our farm businesses to make ourselves stronger going forward. You know, I come back to this confidence word. When you're walking through the fog, you're not confident where you're going. If you can start to pick out a few landmarks on the horizon so you can have direction of travel, then you start to move forward with confidence. And that's what I want farmers to be able to do in 2019. That's Guy Smith of the National Farmers Union. Well, uh, Guy mentioned Nick von Westenholz, the NFU's Director of EU Exit and International Trade, uh, to give him his full title. Uh, we're very much at a crossroads, but does he know where we're going? Well, as you say, uh, you know, we are at that crossroads. We're still at that crossroads. Um, the uh, uh, and, and there's still a lack of clarity about uh, what might happen. The, the real question, I think, is whether the, the current deal on the table which the Prime Minister has brought back around uh, 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 us leaving the EU is going to get through Parliament Uh, and frankly who knows but if it doesn't we then get into some quite difficult territory because uh, the likelihood of a no deal exit in March 2019 uh, and all the disruption and mayhem that comes with that uh, will increase quite significantly so you know I think in the next week or two uh, we really are at sort of make or break uh, stage. Well you've been here uh, Prime Minister's question has been taking place back in Parliament Uh, Theresa May has again raised the prospect of no Brexit at all if you don't go from ideal that's is she just scaring her back benches do you think or is that really a possibility I think it is a possibility. I think it's the, the least likely of, of, of the possibilities, but it certainly is, because I think if Parliament votes down a deal, um, then uh, there's essentially an impasse in British politics about what Brexit looks like. And there's only a few ways that you can, uh, you can resolve that, uh, and one of those is a, uh, um, a second referendum, and uh, I think you'd be very likely that no Brexit would be on the ballot paper. Whether the people would vote for that, I'm not so sure, um, but clearly it is a possibility. How do you do your job? You're spinning so many plates and looking at so many different scenarios, aren't you, at the moment? Well, yes, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting and it won't surprise you to know very busy, but, uh, you know, I've got a great team at the NFU. Uh, we're putting a huge amount of resource and an effort into this because it is so important for the, for the farming sector. So, uh, you know, we will, we will continue to work on it as hard as we need to and put as much resource as we need to to make sure that uh, we get the right outcome for farming. Finally, you must, like many, be hoping you can find out exactly which scenario we're following, which route we're going down, so that finally plans can be put in place. Absolutely. I mean, what farmers really need now is certainty. Indeed, the wider economy needs it. Uh, and that why, is why there has been a, a sort of cautious welcome for the progress that's been made in the last week or so, uh, that, you know, that there is an agreement between the EU and the UK. And, you know, that might mean we can move forward uh, past March 2019 uh, and start to get ready for, for Brexit uh, without having a, a, a cliff edge disruption at that at that point. So, um, you know, fingers crossed, uh, we'll avoid a catastrophe, but um, we'll we'll have to wait and see. That's Nick von Westenholz, the NFU's director of EU Exit, hoping for clarity, speaking at that Brexit summit on Wednesday. It will come. Uh, we just need to wait a little longer, I think.
Thankfully, we don't have to wait too long for the latest from Open Field. Fred South will be here soon. First, though, our crop doctor, Sean Sparling, has the latest from the field. A bit chilly, I'd imagine, Sean. Yes, morning, Sean. Chill in the air. Not all down to the weather either, is it? This whole prospect of a no deal absolutely terrifies me for UK agriculture and the future of agriculture in the UK. Um, I just hope that these politicians put their own political ambitions behind them and see that we need to get a deal to get out on this divorce bill. We can deal with trade deals after that, but it's important we come out with a deal. Anyway, look, we're free to do as we're told in this country, as a friend of mine once said, and he was absolutely right. Let's talk about something we can influence. Winter wheat, winter barley, winter cereals in general. We said a few weeks ago, a lot of mildew out there in the field. Don't worry about it. Don't panic. Don't go out and spray. It often looks worse than it is, and it won't do any damage to the crop beyond make it look a bit unsightly and yellow it'll grow out of it in the spring that proved to be the case soon as we've got a few frosts this week those mildew pustules have gone from being lily white to brown and that means it's stopped them dead in their tracks they're not dead they are stopped for the time being and they are doing no further damage so even if you could have found and fungicide which is cleared for use in the autumn remember fungicides work best when you've got warm active growth and good growing conditions none of those criteria um, apply at the moment so therefore mother nature as we said she would has already done her bit now also the other thing i'm quite bullish about the level of black grass control and weed control we've got in these crops this autumn we were saying a couple of weeks ago it's that perfect storm we've had a nice warm summer we've had a dry start to the drilling season we've got some of the best seed beds i've seen for a number of years we've managed to get crops in well we've managed to get a couple of good flushes of black grass out of the way before we started with those stale seed beds we've got them in well and we've managed because of the weather to get the pre-emergence stack on in good time as well everything's worked and that's showing in the field because the levels of black grass are actually pretty respectable for now anyway that could change as we all know Um, i'm not going to be complacent but as things stand at the moment they look pretty good now if you do have black grass that's come through in a wheat field for example there are three things you can do if you've already put a pre-em on a robust pre-em you can top up that pre-em but my advice would be if it's come through if that black grass has come through a robust full dose uh, pre-em strategy that went on well and it's come straight through that what is the point of spending your money and your time putting another half dose of the same chemical on to top up what's already there if it's already come through a full dose a little half dose is going to make little or no more impact on that black grass which is already through in that situation you need to think about putting on a contact material like atlantis iodosulfuron mesosulfuron which is always going to work better on small black grass if it still works on your farm and that's the important thing no point putting it on if you know it's not going to work if it does still do some good on black grass on your farm and the resistance levels are low then now would be the right time to do it but the caveats that come with those materials are you've got to put it onto a dry black grass leaf and it has to dry on by at least two hours in these conditions now that means when the dew doesn't leave the crop in the first instance much before 12 o'clock and the dew starts to come down again at about two o'clock half two in the afternoon your window is very very small there is absolutely no point putting a contact material like atlantis on wet black grass and only get a 50 percent job of what may already have proved to have been disappointing in the first place so if you're going to put it on time it right pick your day and do it in the right conditions to get the most out of it the third option would be the g word glyphosate if you've got black grass which is already big and established and has already come through everything you can throw at it you have to question whether you're doing the right thing and carrying on with that crop you might well be better 
financially and in the long term yield wise to get rid of it and start again in the spring but that's your decision um, oilseed rape disease levels definitely on the increase foma like leaf spot alternaria you can find them all quite easily now now is the time for those fungicides as we've said before and also now that we've had some frost now that we see soil temperatures at that that correct depth that 30 centimeter depth tumbling it's now down to below 10 degrees and the, the soil temperature at five centimeters is now six degrees and tumbling you're about right now to get the most out of your propizomide application so you'll get that 100 day longevity now that soil temperatures are cold looking at the forecast set to remain cold and even get colder we've also had a difference because of that drop of rain in the soil moisture deficit it's gone from well over 100 last week to around about 60 65 so we're almost there now now would be pretty much the right time to put propizomide on remember you can put propizomide on on a frost but not on a big thick rime frost because when that melts it can carry it into the watercourse and we don't want that we're trying to stewardship uh, use stewardship to prevent these products getting into watercourses so if the drains are running flat out just watch your uh, application of propizomide uh, slugs seem to be absolutely minimal at the moment not entirely sure why they're probably down there on that lower layer of uh, trash within the seedbed the organic matter layer and they will come up at some point but at the moment very little in the way of slug activity so let's keep our fingers crossed we get a deal coming out of europe i'd love to tell you how well the sugar beet's doing but because the british sugar beet website is down me and everybody else have absolutely no idea thanks sean sean sparling of sparling agronomy services and uh, we'll get an update from british sugar the latest on the beet campaign on next week's program all being well we head to egypt in a moment get your camels at the ready first uh, fred south has the update for us from open field morning sean this week the wheat markets have felt like they have begun their christmas run early the trade is now more interested in executing business rather than writing any new business the current low price levels have failed to encourage any fresh selling from farm however there have been signs that consumers are now looking to extend their forward cover in the new year In the UK, the supply-demand debate continues, particularly around crop size. Some data that has been produced would seem to be quite optimistic, although across the board, numbers are down from this time last year. There are rumours rumbling about the Ensys ethanol plant and the fact it may reopen. And with the UK wheat now being export competitive following the weakness of sterling, could result in some interesting months ahead for domestic markets. From the Black Sea, there are signs that logistics and weather are slowing exports, which should in turn result in an uplift in exports from other regions. On the global scene, Argentina's wheat quality is potentially being threatened by harvest rains and frosts. In Australia, tonnages are substantially down, which should in the long run benefit the US and EU markets. And in the UK, growing crops in the ground at the moment are coming through nicely and look very healthy at present. On the new crop front, it's all about weather, Brexit, currency and Trump, which are all equally as unpredictable as each other. Watch this space, as currency will be one of the main drivers to influence price. Now on to oilseed rape. Within the UK, domestic consumers have continued to suggest that they have been able to make EU boats calculate for import into the UK. If this is true, it will increase the supply numbers and potentially cap values. Away from this, the market has been showing concern over the possibility of a trade deal for US beans. US bean sales are now down 32% from this time last year, and we have recently seen reports that some farmers have had to leave beans in the field, uncut, due to stores being completely full. 
Going forward in the domestic market, we need to keep an eye on global stories as they develop, whether it be the recent weaker run on crude oil or the potential of a US trade deal. Now on to malting barley. This week, the malting barley market has remained quiet, with very little news coming out of the recent conference on the continent. Domestically, there have been some volumes traded, but once again, it has been specific for stock requirements. On the new crop front, buyers remain reluctant to discuss, and given the ongoing Brexit situation and issues surrounding it, new crop has taken a cautious back step. Old crop markets are again focusing on executing pre-Christmas contracts. Post-Christmas markets have seen few inquiries, which does suggest that there will be some late demand hopefully coming through. Malting premiums as a guide at the moment range for springs in the region of £26 a tonne on top of the feed price to £32 a tonne, depending on your location. Now we move on to some guide prices from your region. For December 18, the guide spot feed wheat value ranges between £163 to £168 a tonne. For December feed barley, price ranges between 160 and 165 and for December oilseed rape, price ranges at the moment between £315 and £320 a tonne. Forward prices for feed wheat in May in the range of 168 to 173 Forward prices for feed barley next May range from 165 to 170 x farm. And forward prices for oilseed rape for next May range from 322 to 327 pounds a ton. Thanks Fred. Last week on the program we mentioned briefly the farm management development program held at Rice Home College. I was invited to the uh, alumni dinner the Thursday before last. So this week I thought we should hear from some of the students past and present. After all, they are the next generation getting into the industry, the new blood desperately needed, as we also discussed last week. Each have fascinating stories to tell of farming life after the course. Here's two of them. Andrew Peebles is from Suffolk. He's midway through the programme at the moment. And Newark's Tom Hinchley, who did the programme last year. First, Andrew, how's the course been? Oh, it's been a really good course so far. I've got another week in February. And uh, it's been a really good learning curve so far. Good group of people. Uh, ageing from 21 to 30 uh, with various some people going up their career path and some people from family farms that want to develop their business so it's been really good so far What were you hoping for? What are you hoping for from the course? I'm hoping to increase my knowledge speak to many professionals and get their opinion on uh, developing the current business uh, in Suffolk Tell us a little bit about that that business in Suffolk Uh, So I currently work um, as a trainee farm manager on the Elden Estate um, so we're 22,500 acres, growing cereals, uh, potatoes, onions, carrots and parsnips uh, on Bracken soils and whatever I can take back to them and uh, is the better really. And the course itself, is it as, as expected, uh, exceeded expectations or, you know? Uh, definitely exceeded expectations I think. Um, I've spoken to a few people about the course before but actually being here and seeing the different people in the group has uh, yeah, made it a thoroughly good course for me to be on, I think. Now, you did the course how many years ago? Uh, last year's last course. Year? Yeah, my last year's course. And how did you find it? Uh, brilliant. It was uh, coming into it not knowing what to expect, and then what we left with after the two weeks split up, the uh, amount of knowledge and the experience you take from it, from your peers to the fantastic level of uh, industry experts that come in, be it from big companies or from big farming enterprises or from small farming enterprises 
um, that have diversified. Um, the, the range um, and knowledge spread across the two weeks is, is something that was never to be expected. And, and you used it in a very fascinating way the last 12 months. You've been overseas, haven't you? Uh, yeah, we've been farming a reclamation project in the desert of Egypt, um, 20,000 acres of uh, premium hay. Um, so, yeah, I was a bit worried before doing the course that it would be relatable, but um, you quickly find that farming business across the globe has the key fundamentals, um, the production, the, the, the attention to details, the qualities you need um, are worldwide in the industry. They've, they've got to be there and you've got to instill those still those beliefs and passion that you've got um, within a business to make it successful. And what so, kind of thing were you doing in Egypt? Yeah, we were taking a virgin desert um, and bringing it back into production. So three years of soil reclamation, which turned, uh, which ran in line with pr- uh, producing hay, hay for um, mainly export market for the Middle East. Um, and then after three years of soil development with that crop, that would go into the rotation and then rotate to grow um, multiple crops, wheats, rapes, beans, uh, food crops, um, Egypt's still the sort of second largest net importer of wheat in the world um, and there's p- phenomenal potential there to, to, to grow, uh, grow their own, own wheats um, and we've left the model there that hopefully um, they could follow and take on. And you know, back in this country, so anyone listening who's maybe got a job, you'd be interested, yeah? Yeah, definitely. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's a big, uh, there's a big uh, time of uncertainty maybe, but I think there's a lot of positives come with, with what's happening. Good businesses will grow and develop and survive bad practice might leave the industry um, but yeah definitely I want to stay in the UK and uh, make a mark um, and off the back of this course it's really given me a platform and a foundation to to look to, to achieve that and, achieve say, and, and this course I'm sure you both agree you know with that uncertainty this though is giving you that platform and he's giving you that first rung on the ladder if you like definitely so and you can see I mean this is fourth year of the course there's more applicants than ever on it there's more people applied than ever um, which gives strength and, and character to the to us that have done it in previous years, but is still continuing to grow and develop. And um, as you can see here tonight, there's, there's leading industry experts from all over the country, not just Lincolnshire, that have come to support it. The Prince's Trust, it's the um, only Prince's Trust funding to be renewed into a second phase of it. So I think that shows how key it is to the agricultural sector and the development of it going forward. He's back in the UK looking for a new job. That's Tom Hinchley and before him Suffolk farmer Andrew Peebles, uh, fresh from that farm management development programme at Rise Home. Before the weather, we've time for a few words from one other former student, pig farmer James Nightingale. James, why did you do the course? Uh, doing, well, improve the family farm at home, look at ways to diversifying and moving the business forward, really. And how did it go? Uh, very well, yeah. Learned a lot, made a lot of good contacts in the uh, in the two week intensive course, and it was very, very good. Yeah. Was it was it what you expected when you first went onto the course? Uh, in, in many ways, it was more. You know, it was um, you know the people we've met, the uh, the contacts we have now going forward, and the people we can call back on and rely on the the you know, the people on the course that you can run ideas past is brilliant. So, what changes did you make after being on the course? What's happened back at the farm? Uh, since then, we've um, we've invested in a new um, high welfare pig unit. Uh, so we're now housing 2,000 pigs on an intensive basis, but on the highest welfare possible. Uh, we're audited many times a year. We're MS approved, and uh, yeah, it's it's adding another string to the bow at the farm to make us more sustainable in the future going forward. And that's a direct result of you coming on the course. Yeah, it was um, a visit to a local farm of Rob Borrell's near the course, which is one of the course uh, directors. Uh, we had a look around his farm, and it opened up my mind as to where we could go forward at home, and that's where we went. Uh, plenty of fresh thinking. That's uh, pig farmer James Nightingale. The Farming Programme. Five-day forecast.
Well, as Sean mentioned, there is that chill in the air. The wind blowing more from the east, 15, gusting at 25 miles an hour. We've got highs of 7, a few showers as well through the rest of the day. Staying quite moist and murky overnight. We've got lows of 6, the wind still from the east, 10, maybe gusting at 25 miles an hour. And then it's a similar story through tomorrow as well. Highs again of 7, still some showers, that wind from the east, 15 to 20 miles an hour. Cold night Monday into Tuesday. Might see a frost first thing on Tuesday morning. Temperatures down to around 4 Celsius. Should be mostly cloudy. The wind uh, more from the southeast at about 10 to 15 miles an hour. And then continuing from the southeast through Tuesday, gusts up to 25 miles an hour. Maybe a shower in the middle of the day, but it should be mostly dry. Highs, though, of just 6 Celsius. At the moment, it looks like the middle of the week will be uh, the wettest. Some uh, particularly heavy rain forecast at the moment. A band of rain sweeping across. Could be quite windy as well, blowing more from the south, up to 40 miles an hour, gusts of wind. That will get temperatures up, though. 14 could be the high come the middle of the week. But I say it will be that particularly heavy rain through Wednesday morning, though it might just miss us. The hourly updates will keep us updated on that. As for the end of the week, well, it looks like it's going to stay breezy. Temperatures maybe nearer 7 or 8 Celsius with some sunshine to come for the end of the week. Overnight lows again of 5 or 6 Celsius. That's the forecast. Next week, we're at the company that's harvesting over 160 million sprouts for Christmas. We've got um, some delayed production on uh, Brussels sprouts, so that consequently, I think, will harvest more acres to get the same amount of uh, tonnage. Um, we grow about 1,000 acres of uh, Brussels sprouts, and in, 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 in millions terms, I mean, last year we harvested a, over 150 million sprouts. I think this year, based on the extra acres that we'll have to harvest, we, we, we think we will aim to harvest about 165 million. So still a lot to do, still a lot of sprouts that will get delivered to those plates um, for those people who love them and even for the people who hate them, I'm afraid. Whether you like them or loathe them, uh, we'll hear from the company concerned about the humble sprout. That's next week. Until then. Take care.